Good morning. I firstly, I'll just want to say that it's an absolute privilege to be able to share some thoughts with you this morning on Matthew chapter 12. Um, and quite often this chapter is subtitled, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. And I think really I should begin by confessing that in many ways I don't feel at all qualified to share with you on this topic. Because those of you that know me well will know that I actually quite enjoy being busy. I'm not sure if that naturally comes with being a teacher or if perhaps because growing up I just I just liked doing lots of activities. But I actually really enjoy being busy. So rest is something that I find really hard. Um, and when the first lockdown came along and I had to work from home um, because I was pregnant and it wasn't necessarily sure whether it was safe or not for me to be in the classroom, I found that really hard. Being forced into a season of rest was not really something that I planned, but I learned a lot in that time. And so I really hope that as I share a few reflections on what what the Sabbath is and what Jesus calls us to do as we observe Sabbath, that God might cons- help you to consider your current rest and your pattern of rest and what that might look like now and what that might look like as we emerge from lockdown um, together. But before we look at Matthew chapter 12, I want us just to remind ourselves of what um, Sabbath means and where its origins come from. So we first um, encounter the word Sabbath in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 and it's used as a verb to describe how God rested, how he ceased from work um, following creation. Uh, The account says that he created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. So in its very simplest form we could describe Sabbath as being this regular rhythmic pattern and time of rest. It's like clocking off from your day job or sitting down when the kids are finally in bed or coming home after serving your neighbours and putting uh, the kettle on and, and reading a magazine. It's that time of retreat, of restoration and restoring ourselves so that we can then get up the next day or go out an hour's time to then resume work. I like to think of it as um, the bitches has got this toy which... Um, is this turtle and it spins round and it pops out balls and it sings and after um, some time of activity it declares I need to rest and it makes me chuckle every single time because I think to myself really you a plastic inanimate battery powered toy think that you need to rest like have you tried being me uh, but that's what it is this this the, when the Sabbath the first encounter of Sabbath that we have is that it's as a verb and it is the time that you stop working, you cease work and you rest. And then later on in the Bible, it is also introduced as a noun, but that's not until the Ten Commandments are given Exodus, where God um, commands his people to work the six days and rest on the seventh. And it, it sort of maybe got me thinking recently that perhaps God felt like he needs to give them that commandment because actually, They weren't really very good at um, observing the verb of Sabbath, so perhaps they needed it as a special dedicated time. Mm. Just food for thought, I suppose. By the time we reach Matthew chapter 12, mankind has kind of put its own spin on what observing Sabbath means. Uh, And that's where we join Jesus today. So if you've got a Bible with you or you've got it on your phone, it'd be great if you could read along. 
Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain to eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on a Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and are yet innocent? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of Sabbath. So what is going on in this passage here? Well, Matthew chapter 12, unsurprisingly, follows Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus um, is really, he's mourning over how the people in the cities and the areas that he's passing through have rejected him and misunderstood the word of God. And the exact same is happening here. He comes into conflict with the local religious leaders, the Pharisees of the time, who basically challenge, in, challenge his ministry in an attempt to sort of trap Jesus into saying something or trip him up so they could use it against him. So firstly, they challenge him about the fact that his disciples have picked some grain to eat on their journey. Now, in the eyes of the religious leaders, actually taking the grain to eat was not stealing because the law at that time um, basically involved farmers being required to leave some of their crop behind while they were harvesting so that so that those that were poor or those that were traveling through the area could take a little um, to fuel themselves for their journey or to to quench their hunger so the fact they were taking something to eat wasn't the problem what the problem was was the day on which they were doing it the sabbath because at that time the religious leaders had filled judaism with a load of rules of things that you could and could not do on a Sabbath to basically ensure that people rested. So according to the religious laws and the religious leaders at the time, the disciples were guilty of reaping, threshing, winnowing and preparing food because this was all considered work. Therefore, in one mouthful, they had made, in their opinion, four violations of the Sabbath. But as we have sort of know just reviewed earlier on sabbath simply means to cease from work and to rest so really these laws didn't make any sense they weren't really part of what god had implanned the sabbath to be so then jesus goes on to correct a whole number of the pharisees misconceptions that they had regarding on working um, on the sabbath he highlights how David and his his um, fellows go in and they eat the consecrated bread. And he says, look, your your health is far more important than observing ceremonial rituals. So if you need food to eat, then go and get some food to eat. Um, you know, he later in the chapter, he models through healing that it is OK to to work and to do good things while absorbing while observing the Sabbath. And, and he himself quite powerfully proclaims, I am Lord of the Sabbath. You know, and here he's really, he's saying, 
Only I can judge what you can and can't do on Sabbath. And I love the fact that he highlights how priests on a Sabbath break the Sabbath rules all the time because um, temple rituals would involve um, quite a lot of work, the kindling of fires, the sacrifice of animals, and this was all considered work, yet they still did it on a Sabbath. So in other words, Jesus is reminding them that observing Sabbath is all about taking rest from everyday work. It's not about sitting down and doing nothing. It's about doing things that are restorative for you. And I really like it in Mark's account um, of, of this story where he says this. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man the Sabbath. And I think this is really key. This is something that's really struck me um, while we've been through lockdown, I suppose, is that God's commandment for Sabbath, for us to observe rest, was not about sacrifice. Stopping doing stuff and pausing in life should not feel like a sacrifice. It was designed to be about mercy. It was given as a gift. It's like God said to the people and he says to us today, I give you permission to rest. And I think for our spiritual, emotional, mental, physical health, rest is vital. Taking time out of our busy lives should be liberating. It should not be a burden because if God, the maker of the universe, can pause and take rest, then so can we. Recently, I've been rereading this book called The Passionate church and it's a really great book it's um uses different shapes to describe um the different aspects of life and discipleship and the shape that it uses to describe the pattern of um work and rest that that god intends for us is a semicircle and it uses the image of a um a pendulum to expand on that really so it says that um on one side we have rest And in that time of rest, we kind of like abide in Christ. And that's where we are restored, renewed, pruned, challenged and refreshed. So when we are released from that rest, we can swing into action and into work. And it's in that time of work that we see fruitfulness and growing and we can grow into the people uh, that God has called us to be. But without having spent that time in rest we have no energy to swing into work and so the semicircle uh, keeps being created as we swing from the pattern of rest into work and work into rest and i just think this is a really great image image that we can all um, relate to and understand the importance of actually we need to spend time in rest if we are going to then swing into the action and do the work, whatever that might look like, that God has called us to do. And later on, the chapter sort of goes on to describe how we need to also find out what our own style of rest is. And a lot of that depends on actually our personality types and what sort of people we are. Those of us that are extroverts um, would say that perhaps we we find restoration and we find being around people really relaxing and actually we find that we need to be around people to process things so our kind of rest might be um having people around for dinner or perhaps um 
playing a game with a big group of people. Whereas those that are introverts actually need to process things alone. And so these types of people might prefer to rest and recuperate by themselves by going for a walk, reading a book or sitting down and watching a film um, by themselves. And it's really important that we do understand ourselves because otherwise we can find that we might fill our diary of lots of activities that we don't find particularly restful. And then the chapter concludes by talking about how God intended us to have a pattern of life, of rest, sorry, at every level in our lives. And what it means by that is that we should have a pattern of rest daily, we should have a pattern of rest weekly, monthly, yearly, and so on. And so I just want to spend the last few minutes that we have together unpacking that a little bit so that it's something for you to take home or take to your sofa or your kitchen table and um, and think about this week. So I firstly want to really challenge you. Are you ensuring that your days, your your daily pattern, your daily structure involves rest? Are you taking moments in your day where you actually seek Sabbath and you rest? Because Jesus modelled this to us. He regularly took time every day to spend time resting in the Father. And often after Jesus and his disciples had completed a mission, they would come back together and they would withdraw and they would go and find a quiet place to rest and eat together. Have you marked out time in your week where you will rest? You might follow the pattern of six days of work, one day of Sabbath. But for some of you, that might feel like quite a lot. I know for me, with the prospect of going back to work and also having a little one to look after, having a whole day of rest definitely seems impossible. However, could you and I mark out an evening each week that we dedicate for rest, to do something recreational or to invest in relationships, something that we find restorative to us? What about monthly? Have you marked out times in the calendar each month where you might do a different type of rest and actually I think this is quite important because it can give us a good amount of variety to our lives you know perhaps going out on a day trip or traveling to see friends or family that you don't get to see very often have you marked out a pattern of rest monthly and what about yearly are there times in the year where you take perhaps a longer period of time to rest perhaps going on holiday or a retreat or doing an overnight stay somewhere or even attending a Christian conference or event like wildfires or new wine or spring harvest or the big church day out and what about as you change and you transition from different seasons in your life from one season to another Perhaps the season of childhood to teenagehood or to teenagehood to going away to university and becoming a student. Or for those that are a bit older, perhaps the transition from having children in the house to them becoming empty nesters. Or those transitioning into being grandparents or parents or, or those who are starting retirement or the opposite end beginning a new career. Have you thought about taking some time to rest before you make those transitions? 
Because you see, Jesus modeled that to us. He took 40 days out before he began his ministry. So is that a way that you can incorporate rest into the seasonal changes in your life? And what I found really helpful was actually writing it all down. I'd write myself a little list, what I did daily, weekly, and so on. And as I spent time sort of writing the things down, God revealed to me that actually that I have got quite a lot of opportunities to add rest into my life, even though I am surprisingly quite busy still. Uh, one thing that I, I really realised is that now that our daughter Beatrice quite reliably takes a nap, I often find myself doing the housework or just scrolling aimlessly through social media, but actually I could sacrifice definitely 10 minutes of that housework to have time to myself. So I wanted to set your challenge this week, and that is to to go away and to think about and review your own personal um, pattern of rest. And I want to challenge you to just find one more uh, time in your day, time in your week, time in your month, year, that you are going to set aside to rest, to do something that you find restful. It hasn't got to be sitting on the sofa doing nothing to do something that you find restorative to you. So I just thought I'd finish by praying from the place that I've been finding rest this week in the beautiful countryside um, and woodland in Dartmoor. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that we've been able to spend some time um, reminding ourselves that although you designed us to work, you also designed us to rest. And I pray this week you'll just be with us as we reevaluate the patterns of rest that we have in our lives. Amen.